0: You have to choose what you love, save it all, and then edit. But like you can't do everything you love in one space. And so you have to decide what do you really love out of all the things that you're drawn to. And if you're drawn to tons of prints, but then all of a sudden there's like an image of something that's insanely minimal, like there's got to be some variation of like how do you achieve both because you can't have everything.
1: Welcome to Talk Shop. I'm Ariel Oaken, a New York-based interior designer, writer, and editor looking to bring a little bit of magic into our homes every day. After years as a writer and editor in the interiors world, I founded my own editorial site, More Lane, in 2020, and the Talk Shop interview series was born. Each week, I delve into the personal experiences of the top interior designers and tastemakers around the globe. I am so thrilled to welcome the fabulously talented AD100 designer jake arnold to the podcast jake's work eponymous with ease luxury and comfort is at the forefront of a new wave of designers creating fresh modern spaces that transcend time and trends along with designing homes and spaces for celebrities like john legend and chrissy Teigen, jake has collaborated on collections with top brands including parachute lulu and georgia and most recently crate and barrel Earlier this year, the e-design platform that Jake co-founded with his best friend, Leo, The Expert, where I'm one of the expert designers, launched an e-commerce line, providing consumers access to the best of the trade brands, rare vintage, and made to order showrooms from The Expert's impressive roster of designers. And look out for Jake's new podcast, The Expert, out now. Jake's first book, Redefining Comfort, was just released from Rizzoli, highlighting nine projects with through lines of his signature comfort, warmth, and lived-in sophistication. We've got a lot to talk about, so please join me as I welcome Jake to the podcast. Well, welcome, Jake, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on. I feel like I know you, even though we haven't officially met in person, so I can't wait to chat with you.
0: Me too. I'm so grateful and excited to talk to you about all light things for once.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, to kick off the conversation, we've been asking everyone, can you describe your style in three words or less?
0: So I would describe it as livable, impactful, and unexpected.
1: Love. For those who may not know, which is absolutely no one on earth because you have taken over the industry, who... Is Jake. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are at this point in your life right now. I mean, you have so much going on. I'm just amazed by everything you're working on.
0: Well, that means a lot coming from you because you are also (laughs) killing it and just seem to be doing it with such grace and ease. Definitely
1: losing my mind, but thank you.
0: i know it's a lot harder than it looks so my name is jake arnold i'm originally born in london england and moved to los angeles in 2012 and i'm an interior designer and the co-founder of the expert which is a direct um video consultation with the top designers around the world and also an e-commerce platform. And I have collaborations with Crate & Barrel, Lulu and & Georgia, and Parachute. And that's in a nutshell. <laughs>
1: amazing. And the expert, for those who don't know or haven't used it yet, I am on the expert. It is the most amazing way to connect with people that I wouldn't connect with otherwise. And I just have so much fun meeting new clients on there and just you know seeing people's homes and helping them. So what a great idea.
0: Well, we love having you on The Expert, and (laughs) it's such a privilege that people enjoy spending their time speaking to people all over the country. So it's really exciting and so easy and accessible for people. And there's someone for everyone, which has really been so exciting to work on.
1: Yeah, there really is. I mean, it's an amazing thing, and I love getting to meet people on there. So tell me a little bit, walk me through your career so far. Is it true that you started your firm in 2020?
0: So technically, yes.
1: I mean, that's (laughs) mind-blowing. Walk me through it because I'm blown away by how much you have accomplished in such a short amount of time and how very distilled your aesthetic is, but it's ever-evolving. And I think that's really hard for people in the industry to do.
0: Well, that's very nice of you. Thank you.
1: So walk us through how you kind of got into design. Were you always interested in design?
0: Yeah, I think my background into design is similar to a lot of designers that I've always been obsessed and moved my bedroom around as a child and like was going around my friends' houses and moving their rooms around. So it's always been in my DNA. But then I studied business and economics at university. And in my last year, I was having a really hard time at university. It just was not for me. And I read this book. Actually, it's called The Secret. A lot of people, I'm sure, have heard of it. And if oh, you yes. haven't, it's it, it's definitely not a book I would need to recommend now because there's so <laughs> many others. But at the time, it's very much like basic overview of law of attraction. Yes.
1: And it was like the first of its kind. Like, I remember when that came out.
0: Yeah, it was just like a very simplistic, easy approach. And I think that you find those like crumbs, I guess, like as you go. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was the right time. And I read that book and I realized, oh my God, I could do whatever I want. And I really should start just like deciding and, and making my future and being a co-creator. So I just That's reached beautiful. out to a design firm in LA on Twitter. I don't even have oh a my Twitter God. account now. <laughs> And I tweeted them and I was like, Hey, do, I wish I could find the tweet. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna deep dive after this because I keep needing to frame that. I do wanna frame <laughs> it, but I remember writing like, Hey, I was just wondering if you offered an internship. I'm from the UK and they actually responded. That's wild. And then I went for the summer. I'd never been to America like LA at all California ever beforehand. And so I didn't know. How did you
1: pick that specific firm?
0: I think it was just weird. I, I searched interior designers looking for designers in London just to do an internship. I didn't have any intention of moving here. I didn't even know at that time. No one like when I was 20, no one I grew up with was moving countries like that was not yeah. a thing. I think in my head when I saw this company in L.A., I think like most people in their early 20s have this whole concept of what california is like it's like
1: new york too
0: it wasn't even a choice of new york or la i think i just saw this company and they had a sizzle reel on youtube of a show that they were about to do like a reality show and this was at the time that like the osborns and those types of shows were huge and i was just like who are these people like they're working on these amazing projects and working with like Courtney Love and like all these crazy clients, which was so far removed from where I'm from, which is like the suburbs in England yeah. that's essentially like
1: Couldn't be further from what LA is, yeah.
0: <laughs> so they were like come over for a month. We can't pay you, and I thought I'd won the lottery. I was like, "Fuck everyone!" I'm going to LA for a oh month. My
1: God. But I, you, you knew, right? Like you had this kind of like gut instinct that kind of drew you there. I feel like.
0: Yeah, it's weird because when I went on the internship, when I look back, I actually never intended. To even move. I didn't know that was an option. Like I think I just was doing it. Yeah. I showed up, went to a random apartment that I had no idea where I was. I shut <laughs> from the job the first day in Bel Air and I was like, where am I? This is ridiculous.
1: What did your parents say? Were they dying?
0: My my parents, I think, because at the time it was just a month that I was just going for an internship. So it wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Cut to I came to LA and I fell in love with just my whole experience. I was so lucky that the company I worked for, Woodson and Rummerfields they took me under their wing. Like the first day I came, they invited me to their 40th birthday. And I was just That's like, so these people nice. Are so nice. Yeah. Like I just was not used to people being so open and friendly and nice. And like, they just showed me all of the old side of LA. So we, I would go to all these old school supper clubs. On the East side, they would take me to all these architectural gems. So I had a very... Specific experience of LA that I think I was really fortunate that I got to see a different side to it. Such a blessing. It's like a right time, right place. Hundred percent. Long story short, I was then helping with an architect who shared an office with SD Stanley, who's now a good friend of mine, who's also a really amazing designer. Yeah. Essentially, the client decided to go in a different direction and wasn't necessarily sure if she wanted to work with a designer. And she said to me, do you know anyone who could just casually help me? I just, I don't want a full designer. I just need someone that can like help guide me through the process. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I had the balls to say at the time I was like, I'll do it.
1: But that's what it takes, yeah. right? Like to start your own thing. Like you have to just put, be able to put yourself out there like that.
0: And bearing in mind at this point, I didn't even know what like a die lot was or like <laughs> what I didn't, I didn't know anything. Like literally I had no other than always loving design and being interested in my background. I had zero training, no formal training.
1: I mean, you and I have that in common. I didn't go to design school either. I had to learn everything and I didn't. I didn't intern anywhere, which is my biggest regret. And so, you know, I made some pretty stupid mistakes in the beginning because I just didn't know. I had to learn all on my own.
0: But I think that's the best way. Yeah. But you have to be good with people. Like, I feel like that's the biggest thing I think in this art industry is that even if you do have all of the background and the skill set, and I say this to people who ask me all the time, should I go to school? Mm
1: -hmm. And I think that
0: the reality is that you need – credible skill set that you can actually apply for a job. Like that's for the most part is the majority. Yes. But at the same time, it's also not enough because you have to have the ability to be good with people and take risks and be able to be like solution oriented like oriented, whatever the word is according <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, it's so much of psychology. I mean, working with clients is a full lesson in psychology, I think.
0: Yeah. It's 100%. And I also think when you start your career, you have to work on things that that you might not necessarily want to do, and that's okay. And so at the beginning, I was very much just, I would say yes to anything and everything.
1: Yeah, I was the same way.
0: That's what you have to do. It's just...
1: Yeah, because you don't know what you're going to get next. You have to take it.
0: Do you think if you knew, I'm curious, do you think if you knew what you knew, you would pursue what you've done?
1: Yes, I would still do it because I just love it. Like every day I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe I get to do what Mm. I do
0: for work. Not because you love it, obviously, because you like it, but more so like if you knew what it took. And it's like what I'm saying is, is like, isn't it better to have ignorance is bliss? Because I think if you knew every single thing that you had to go through, (laughs) you wouldn't have had the courage to do it, I think.
1: Especially if I knew going into having my first kid. What that would be like, right. and balancing that. I mean, that was really hard in the beginning, like just figuring out like the boundaries and and all of that. but i I never wanted to, and I think this is true of so many designers. like i I had a corporate job, and I was working in public affairs, and I was so. Unhappy. Mm. And I feel like people who start their own firms always kind of know deep down, like, that you can't work elsewhere. Like, Mm. you need to kind of make your own path in life. And I feel like you knew that from a really young age, it sounds like.
0: Even just having this conversation now, it's, I forget that it is something that I guess I did know subconsciously. Why I asked you that question is if I knew what I had to have endured, I think I would have not been able to do it. And I think that 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 lack of knowing really served me in so many ways, because I didn't have this like little plan that I was going to move to LA and like post a bunch of (laughs) pictures and do the bare minimum. Like I had my head down for like 10 years, honestly, before I started my own company before I did that. And the only reason why I was able to Transition to my own firm is. I had started bringing on all interior design clients to the architect. Like I would work on all these projects on my own. Like I'd bring in the clients, do the projects, and I was. And at some point, I just realized that for me to get the type of experience that I want out of this and build a team and a company culture, I have to do this on my own. And I think that a lot of people forget that I'm also not from here. So logistically, on the back end. (laughs) Just getting visas and all of that stuff. Yeah, that is, must
1: be. I mean, that's a whole different world.
0: Yeah, it's an incredible. I would say it's one of the most stressful things I've ever been through. Of just not feeling, yeah, like safe that you could be totally where you, at home. yeah. And so that was always in the back of my mind, and was so difficult. And I think that had I not had that experience, look, everything happened for a reason. Everything is set up for. Everyone's own individual journeys, and I think that that mm. was a, just a big part of mine. And it made me push so hard to to really fight to to be here and do what I like to do. So I never take it for granted, and I have so much empathy for a lot of people who are really trying to work so hard and just to even be safe where they live or feel like they can be there, no matter where you are in the world. Like it's such a it can really dampen your spirit, I think, if you don't have that. Because I do think that an element of safety in life, whether that's physically or emotionally, is so important when you're enduring on building a business, because that's your one thing that you don't have to worry about. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes, 100%. Because when you're starting, it's this gigantic question mark. Right Like you don't know if it's gonna work or not, and so you need to know I mean, I stayed at my day job for three and a half years, and I worked nights and weekends, and people didn't know that I had a day job. Mm. I would just ask <laughs> them to meet like late at night or not late at night, but late in the afternoon, and I'd be like, oh, I could meet at like you know five o'clock, no one knew I had a day job, yeah. but i was I couldn't leave my day job because right. I didn't you know i I needed to pay my rent, so I did it for three and a half years, and then I Waited until I built up enough of a client book where I was like, okay, I could. I have six months where I'm like, good, and if it doesn't work, I'll find another job, and, and if not, then great, and thank God.
0: Yeah, worked. no, hundred. I mean, hundred <laughs> percent. I think it's just it's always a risk, and I think especially when you don't have everything set up for you, and some people who, if you don't have connections or know people, I think our industry is very much represents a very closed off environment for people to break into because i do think it tends to be either people who have like family connections and all that stuff and i think when you don't have that it can kind of make you not feel as confident to go for your goals and dreams and i and why i keep saying that like not knowing and having such a plan is always the best move and just to work incredibly hard and be the best at what you're doing at that given time I always think serves people because I think when you are so planned it's just you set yourself up for failure because as when it doesn't go to plan, that kind of stops you pushing yourself and taking risks as you think there's failure when actually it's totally. just a stepping stone to getting where you want to go next
1: it's so true so you you took on these little side projects from where you were and then when did you decide to go out you you had enough of these side projects and you finally were like, okay, I feel comfortable enough to do this and really go
0: out on my own. I think I really credit and I'm so grateful that I had the experience of working for someone that had the infrastructure of just like a company to be able to even take on those projects. And I think that I now can look back and like really honor and be happy that I had that experience. But I think in 2020, honestly, just before, The pandemic. I was
1: gonna say crazy timing.
0: I can't even explain to you the level of stress that, like, I mean, (laughs) that I was that in twenty twenty. Honestly, for the last three years, but I had really amazing clients that I got from like press and really Instagram was so instrumental for me. To be honest with you, and I think that it was at a time when I first moved to LA. A lot of designers were working on really bright beachy type of aesthetic and i think when i came here i was doing everything was a lot moodier darker and and at that time you weren't seeing it as much i
1: feel like you've crafted like an entire genre of
0: course like everything is derived from something and i'm incredibly inspired from like where i grew up in in london and also a lot of my favorite designers that i look up to in europe like that is definitely more of a sentiment that i think that Europeans live by that's a lot layered, richer, darker, moodier. And I mm-hmm. and people in LA specifically were not doing that, of course, because it's it kind of contradicts the the climate and the environment. Yep. But I was that was like my big thing. And I think that people it allowed me to kind of I think people noticed that and they wanted yeah, different. something that was different. And I, I think at the time I didn't even realize I was doing that. It was more just my natural inclination happen to be like richer moodier spaces and i and to, right. your, to your point it's like now i want to ev- always i'm trying to evolve because i think no designer and i'm sure we're the same you don't want to be pigeonholed into an aesthetic versus a feeling and all designers want to say that we can do anything
1: and i think you've done such a beautiful job at it i mean all of your projects have a through line that you know it's you but they all are so different and iterative in different ways. And I think that's really hard to do as a designer. So, I mean. Thank and you. the bespoke element also. I mean, everything you do is so custom. I mean, the tree in John and Chrissy's house is insane. Oh, my
0: God. That tree. That tree. I- <laughs>
1: <laughs> the fact that you – did did you embalm the tree? Wait, how did you
0: – I like real trees only. I don't do fake plants, trees, yes. none of it. But at the time, I was like, there's no way I'm putting in, like, a 20-foot tree that is in a month is just going to die inside and yeah. then we're stuck we with like it. need, like,
1: a full irrigation system. Also, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Jake has designed for, like, many, many A-list celebrities. And among them are John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. And in this house, they put this gigantic – is it an olive tree? Yeah. A gigantic olive tree that sits – in the house like in the middle of the house it's the craziest most beautiful thing so tell us how you got it there
0: <laughs> so i started doing like a deep dive and i found someone who basically takes and it's actually the most and um, like environmental thing is to take a tree that is essentially no longer living and mm-hmm. it, they they call them embalmed trees where they're basically they Wild. start creating these like handmade silk leaves that they attach to the actual existing trunk and branches and so i worked on that and it was yeah it was it was so amazing because it was almost like an art installation because i had to make it look as natural as i was actually there last night and they were doing a halloween party and the tree like has seen so many things it's seen christmas it's seen halloween it's seen so many lights and things hanging off that tree and like if that tree was real, it would have been yeah, I would have been dead in two seconds.
1: <laughs> so it's amazing to me that you have the ability to kind of shift gears in a sense. Like you have this sense of creativity. You work on the most truly like the most bespoke of homes. And then you also, you've done amazing collaborations with Parachute and Lulu and Georgia and Crate and Barrel. And you co founded The Expert, which is like a massive company unto itself. So how do you kind of balance all of this? I I I'm so in awe of everything that you like how many irons do you have in the fire at once?
0: <laughs> well, it's a good question because I'm still <laughs> always, always figuring it out, to be honest with you. But I will say I think the the fact is that like having a good team is is so key. And I have yeah. a pretty really good team in my design studio and people that I can really trust and are able to execute, which again, has its challenges. I'm sure you know, like running a business, like sometimes the hardest thing is running a team and not necessarily the clients. And even when you have a great team, it's still a lot that you're juggling. And so with The Expert, I'm so fortunate that my co-founder, Leo Siegel, who is actually one of my best, best friends.
1: I love that you guys are best friends and started it.
0: Yeah, we just have such a good relationship and we work so well together because he is so uninhibited and is able to just take something to fruition very fast. And I love to idea and, and bring my whole, a whole thing with the expert. And I really was so key at the beginning is that we didn't want it to be a tech company where people, even though it, even though it is technically.
1: It doesn't feel like it.
0: Yeah. Like it's just so important that it's design centric at the end of the day. Like it's, it's born out of making good design and making design accessible. And I think that a huge part of my intention and what I do is that while I do Absolutely love working on high-end bespoke projects. I also very much enjoy sharing and spreading the love of like there's just enough for everyone. And I think that it's a shame to keep something that's all about making the world more beautiful and more interesting and opening those doors. So, in to answer your question in terms of how I balance, I'm TBD, I'm still figuring that out. But it gets better because I think over time, I've been able to focus on all these things at different times. Like you can never do everything at once. And so it requires a lot of planning and really figuring out your schedule so that you can focus on absolutely everything that you do. I mean, you know, you're doing this podcast now. You have so much (laughs) going on yourself and you have to find time. But it also means that you... Leanne Ford actually gave me this advice, and I think it's, it's the best advice. And she said, you have to be able to say no to the good so that you can get the great. And I think that I there's that. so many good opportunities when you have when you've established your business and you've and you've put yourself out there that we are so fortunate to have that. And I don't take it for granted. But then yeah. you also have to recognize what is best use of your time and what's going to give you energy back. Like you put so much energy, everyone in their job, no matter what you're in, whether it's banking or you're an artist, you're you're Mm -hmm. still putting out so much energy and you have to do something that feeds you
1: back. Yeah, that replenishes you. Otherwise we're gonna lose whatever your sort of like source is for everything that you're putting out into the world. A hundred percent. Yeah. So walk me through your day because you kind of you've got the expert, you've got all of these collaborations. And then you have your design business. What does it look like day to day? I mean, I know everybody's day to day is kind of different in the design world, but.
0: So every day is different and I kind of block my calendar so that I have some type of schedule so that I know and don't get overwhelmed in the week. So I really a lot specific times I do certain expert related things at certain times, same thing. The thing with all the collaborations that they're very heavy at the beginning and you're there's a lot of involvement and then eventually and all the way up to law and then you have launch but in between starting and launch like there is a period where we're not involved every day
1: it kind of goes quiet
0: yeah it, it does go quiet I think majority of my time is always on client projects which I always try to edit as much as my time to just be pure design to have everyone else in the team take care of everything else because that is yeah the time best spent. I haven't been doing it because sometimes you have to get involved in everything. Yes.
1: But for the most part, I think it's a really smart way to structure a firm.
0: Yeah. Because technically, like I think I've had clients in the past that are like, how do you have time to take on this project? I'm like, because it's because when I'm just designing that is comes easy that's the easy yes. part the, it's
1: the pure creativity yeah,
0: the logistics so the the, the the
1: logistics are the nightmare yeah, yeah. yeah
0: exactly <laughs> and and I think what's hard is I'm sure you're the same because you kind of have to when you ha- start your own firm you have to be good at all that stuff too and so I think that I used to have I used to project manage I used to do everything so mm-hmm. when you've done it before I tried to you make my coach yeah like I try to make my days as edited as I can but it's kind of thinking about switching it up as well of just how much of my time is actually spent on really looking at the things that bring me joy and the things that I don't enjoy. And that's always a work in progress. But I think as any business owner will will agree, there's always some things that you don't want to (laughs) do that you have to do. Always. Yeah.
1: Well, because you get wrapped into certain things that you kind of just have no way of not, you have to be there for certain things.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: When designing a space, is there anything that you find to be like your North Star or something that's like the most important thing for you?
0: I think the most important thing is a balance of... I always just come back to history of design and I'm always so... A big part of my storytelling is that like historical reference point and I like to make sure that there's always a mix and so it nothing Mm -hmm. gets too like on the nose or thematic. And so I think that... That's always my normal star is to, I'll pull back and I'll edit something. I'll make something a little more simple if this thing is a little more decorative. And there's always this yin and yang approach in my process. And sometimes at the beginning, I could go so heavy on something and then it always does get distilled eventually. But I think it's for me important to to throw all of that against the wall and then edit it, pare it back, and then also just to understand that people are living in these spaces so it's not just know. <laughs> what do we want it to look like it's such it's a it's f-
1: not a movie set exactly. I, I have to often remind myself that too. yeah
0: it's like this has to be functional and it's like even though i love maximalism i really do like it's not something that i live in for myself everyone yeah. is different and so i think just bearing in mind I think to your point, it's like, it's not just about a style. I think it's the through line. And I think that that through line, I think, just happens, I think, for all designers almost naturally. It's just what you would draw to. Mm-hmm. That's the best part of the job and the least that you get to do <laughs> sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's always at the beginning and it's the most invigorating. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'll block a couple days and I'll just kind of zone in and just focus on that and put all the boards together and I feel like that's when I feel the most excited and invigorated about what I'm doing and also the most grateful for what we get to do
0: yeah 100% I couldn't agree more
1: what do you think your home says about you
0: oh my god it's it says that I work too much because it's never I know, done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all designers we're cobblers with no shoes
0: and honestly like I'm fine with it like I it's always a chapter. Like, I live right now, honestly, in a condo. It's
1: so beautiful, though.
0: Where I lived before this was an apartment that was, like, the, from the 20s. It was, like, Betty Davis lived in the building. Scott Fitzgerald lived in my unit. It was just such an amazing old Hollywood. H- had, I remember
1: seeing that. Yeah. moved from there. And then
0: I moved because it had mold. Because anything oh, that's nice has mold. And <laughs> I... And now I just live in a place that I treat like a hotel. Like I keep it very simple. All my furniture is literally white slip, everything is like white slip covered on black jute rugs. It looks like Calvin Klein nineties. Like that's very often. That's the that's the vibe I'm going for there. But I also think that you don't I don't know it's weird it's like if something's too designed where I live right now in my life like it feels like work to me
1: and it's overwhelming like I I feel like because we look at pattern and color all day it's almost like sensory overload to come home to like too much stuff yeah
0: totally like
1: my bedroom is very muted because I can't sleep with like a ton of pattern
0: yeah set I mean that's the thing and that's what's so interesting is it's like you can't be creative without that space I think
1: yes i agree is there anywhere in particular that you find that you are more inspired or that you you go to find inspiration
0: i mean i think like most humans who have a brain cell will agree that like (laughs) anything in france honestly like i know it's very cliche i love france so much and i find it to be it excites me and gives me so much joy when i can put all of the pieces together of the history of all the things i love and I see where it stemmed from and I understand the backstory. And that just gives me so much joy. And I find that I'm mostly attracted to a lot of like French design, especially like 30s, 40s, and like, and yeah. then, and then even like, honestly, like 17th century. So it's all in the mix.
1: I can see so much of like the 30s in your work, I feel like. Uh, thank you. You have a Francis Elkins element
0: to oh my you. Oh, God, what a compliment. Love. Love. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite book.
1: Speaking of, what have been the three biggest influences on your aesthetic? Do you think
0: I went to a really English school that people had houses that have been in their family for a long, long time, and so I would go to these crazy old, original Georgian Tudor, you name it, mm-hmm. and and so I was always in that. And the school I was in, the building was like a was like a Georgian. Manor House. Now I go back and I was like, wow, I was around a lot of that growing up and I never realized. And I used to think it was all old and horrible at the time. (laughs) But it is a huge part of my work is influenced by that. And I think just the relaxed laid back part of California. And and I think there's so many elements from French 30s, 40s, and like Belgian a little bit. And I, I kind of am veering off being inspired from the Belgian minimalism because it's, again, how everything is context. And I think just learning that, again, that you evolve, like there was a point in time where I loved that, but I now prefer to create a story depending fully on the context of a space and not necessarily trying to hone in on an aesthetic because I find that that's very limiting.
1: It's funny you said about growing up because I grew up in an area called the main line, which is like a small, small town outside of Philadelphia. And I went to an all girls school and it, the building's very, very old for America. It was 1888. Hey. That's like hey. new for hey. you. <laughs> <laughs> hey. But I think so much of where I grew up also for import- like we had these old Pennsylvania stone field houses. It's like very Americana. And I think that like subconsciously kind of like seeped into the way that I perceive the world and kind of like design. I think it's a fascinating exercise to think about where your subconscious aesthetic is coming from.
0: Totally. And I think that's what's interesting. You just said about where you're from is the the Americana element to me Mm -hmm. of why I love living here so much and like when I look at a Slim Aaron's book honestly like I just love the cheekiness of the the elevated and so I take so I love like in LA if you go to Hancock Park you have these like Tudor-esque buildings next to palm trees like it's so none of it makes sense yeah and I and I love that playfulness that America has I think in design where it's a little more like It's like when you take someone, like I almost feel like I'm American when I go to Europe now because I'm so enthusiastic (laughs) about everything in a way that I never used to be.
1: Because I feel like you have like a new set of eyes. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this is where I grew up and look how amazing it is. Like
0: this lamp on the street is insane. Like, (laughs) I can't believe this trash can is like the most stunning trash can I've ever seen.
1: It's so true though.
0: Because you don't realize that, but when you take yourself out of it, and by the way, that I think is the best thing about Americans is their optimism and enthusiasm. Because I do <laughs> think that I didn't grow up with that, like, English people are not that way at all, for the most yeah. part. So I do really love that element, too. It's like there's got to be a chillness to everything, it can't be too serious. And yeah, just it's, it's meant to be fun.
1: I want to go into some rapid fire questions that we do at the end for everyone. Great. Because I feel like they're not design related, but I feel like they just people know a little bit more about you as a human. Sure. So what is your favorite
0: food? Okay, so like very random. It's not like a full meal. But one thing that will make my deathbed is taram salata with like hot, Pita bread is one of my favorite things of all time. Oh like my God,
1: yeah. But then I
0: also love like a, a baked potato with, and this is so English.
1: I love baked potatoes.
0: But they're my favorite thing ever.
1: My friends make so much fun of me. They call me the potato girl
0: because it's <laughs> like
1: my favorite food.
0: It's so good. Favorite drink. Tequila. Me too. I had someone made this drink the other night. It was so good. It was tequila with fresh ginger and soda. It was amazing.
1: Mmm. I love tequila and pineapple too.
0: I need tequila.
1: Favorite film.
0: Oh my god. Okay, well like silly film like The Holiday.
1: Um, same. Well anything Nancy is my gospel.
0: I my T V role is it has to make me laugh or inspire me. I cannot be sad. Either. I can't unless it's like Unless it, like, has a really nice ending. And I know that makes me sound like I don't want to live in the real world, but I'm sorry. Life is scary.
1: No, but the real world is depressing enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We don't need to be depressed any more than we already are from where we live. Literally. <laughs> favorite hotel?
0: Oh, my God. In the U.S., it's the Greenwich of New York, I have to be honest, because that spa is the beyond. The spa
1: is my favorite place. It's so good. They
0: just do that hotel where everything is perfect about it. In London, Claridge I love Claridge. Claridge's is actually my favorite hotel because it's so old and they just have mastered hospitality. Yeah, it's crazy. They they it's amazing. it's amazing. Favorite city? LA obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Especially New Yorkers hate on LA, but and don't get me wrong, there's many things that aren't right with it. But it's so great to live here because it's so easy.
1: What about favorite bedding? I love to ask other designers because I feel like it's such a personal question.
0: Well, I have to I'm gonna obviously like plug here because I love my parachute bedding. Oh yeah, parachute, of course. I love my parachute bedding. Or the other bedding I do love is the ho the bedding that they have at I stayed in that place in Paris, Chateau Voltaire. They had this random brand; I can't even remember it. Such a chic and hotel. it was such a good bedding. I loved it.
1: That's a beautiful hotel. Also, speaking of hotels, I love to ask an Englishman this question: Tea or coffee, and how do you take it?
0: Oh my god, coffee always.
1: <laughs> you and Louise Rowe both said coffee. Oh
0: really? Yeah, I I do love tea, but not in America. Like it's not. I wouldn't have like I have tea <laughs> if I go to in London because it's so good. But I have. My drink is a hot Americano black with, with, I actually have just started doing decaf the last two days because I don't need it for the caffeine. I just love the taste. It's a new thing that I started and I don't know why I've never done it because now you get the best of both. You get to enjoy it without the anxiety. Legit. Yes. Favorite playlist. I actually love the internet, the band. Cause I, mm-hmm. I, that's like what I play at home all the time. Just like the playlist, like when they do, you know, you can do like the radio thing on. Yes. So I love that. Spotify. I'm also, or I like, I like very current music or I like very, I love jazz at home. Honestly, I play a lot of jazz.
1: Me too. I listen to a lot of jazz. I also find when I'm working, I can't listen to music that has words, which is weird.
0: No, 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 same. Uh, no, no, I can't either.
1: Favorite weekend activity.
0: Oh my God. lying on my sofa doing nothing. Yes. Honestly,
1: You need time to recharge. You do too much. Yeah, that
0: is my favorite thing today.
1: The last one is kind of difficult. Favorite design book?
0: That's a really good question. Oh, it depends the current or like in life. In life. We got it really depends on my mood. But <laughs> I mean, obviously Jacques Grange anything is like my number yeah. one. I also have this book that my mom gave to me when I was like 16 that's called like elements of style or something and it basically goes it's like the whole bible of just like all the architectural like history and details and for some reason i could get lost in that book for days yeah nothing makes me more happy of like putting the pieces together of like where things originate from and why they were done a certain way and then i just go on a deep rabbit hole online so i love anything that's like historical i love
1: okay so a final few words your book, your amazing book, Redefining Comfort, is out now, which everybody has to go get. It's a gorgeous, thick, very luxe, fabulous ode to Jake's amazingness. What else are you working on right now? Any any new projects you can talk about? Thank you so much for the,
0: the book, shout out, by the way. It's true. Oh, I'm actually working on a a chalet in Switzerland, which I'm very excited about.
1: Oh, my God. That's amazing.
0: We're going to do the install in February, which is insane. I'm scared. It's so soon.
1: Oh, my God. You have to take pictures. That's incredible.
0: Yeah. So I'm very excited.
1: Do you have advice for anyone looking to define their own interior style?
0: You have to choose what you love save it all and then edit from there and see what try and see what makes sense together because you can't even if you love 10 things they might not mm. all work together and that's okay and like I always say save that for another time but like you can't do everything you love in one space and so you have to decide yeah. what do you really love out of all the things that you're drawn to and if you're drawn to tons of prints but then all of a sudden there's like an image of something that's insanely minimal like there's got to be some, variation of like how do you achieve both because you can't have everything
1: it's a conversation i feel like we have with clients all the time because they people really can't articulate what it is that they like
0: yeah, it's so hard and
1: images are the best way to kind of relay what it is that you are gravitating 100%. toward
0: that's what i do at the beginning i'm like here's 20 images don't tell me just x the ones you don't like and take the ones you like and then let's go through them and like distill and it might not be it could just be the mood or the or the lighting, or the furniture layout, and then you can kind of distill mm-hmm. it. And that's the hardest part at the beginning is being on this. Once you're on the same page, it's easy. It's so much easier.
1: Yeah, and the photos are the best way to do it because that's like the com- the only common language between designer and client is imagery.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Where can listeners find more about you and your brand?
0: So you can go to www.jakearnold.com. <laughs> And on there, it has my por- our portfolio, it has our projects, and some of our collaborations, the book, everything. It's all the whole world of JA is on in one place.
1: Amazing. Well, you're the best. Thank you so, so, so much for being on the podcast and hanging out with oh me. God. I feel like I just sat down with a friend for an hour. Same.
0: I literally just had the best time. It's what <laughs> I needed. It's like the best type of work to do on a Monday. Well, thank you so much for having me it was so fun and congrats to you too it's so nice to speak oh to someone God, and like you. I think it just is so lovely that like in our industry there's so much for everyone and it's so fun to be able to celebrate each other so I really appreciate it
1: that's a wrap for this week's episode of talk shop thank you for listening we'll be back next week with more thoughtful discussions and amazing guests Make sure you follow on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And of course, follow me at Ariel Oaken. See you next week.